0: From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel, and this is the Times of India podcast.
1: Starting off with Uttar Pradesh, where the average does seem to suggest the BJP is going to make a historic return to power. After a long gap, you are going to see Party come back to power after completing a full term. हमने जो exit poll India TV ground zero का exit poll, उसके इंसाफ से भर्तिंता party को 180 से 220 सीटें प्रदेश में आ सकती हैं। इसके साथ साथ हम ये बता रहे कि समाजवादी party को से 208 आ सकती हैं। यानी party सरकार भी बन सकती है, इसकी संभावनाएं भी Seventy six
2: to
0: ninety for the Aam Aadmi Party. If this poll is right, this is history. The final results of five assembly elections will only be known tomorrow, March 10th. But the multiple exit poll results conducted by private agencies for television channels are already out. Exit poll results are not always correct. Most notably, they got the West Bengal and Delhi results wrong. And we still don't know what that crucial number, the vote share of parties, is going to be. Having said that, give or take a few seats, there is near unanimity among pollsters about the outcome. Today, I speak to Nilanjan Sarkar, Senior Visiting Fellow at the Center for Policy Research, and Journalist Shivam Vij, both of whom have spent considerable time traveling during the campaign to understand voter preference and the big issues in these elections. Of the five states, We focus on two in today's podcast, Uttar Pradesh and Punjab, for their varying political import for the BJP and the Congress and how they will shape the future of national politics. Shivam, you've travelled across both UP and Punjab. One state seems to be bucking the anti-incumbency trend as per the exit polls and the other not. What explains this?
1: It's very interesting how the two states have handled COVID and the resulting economic hardship. Um, in Punjab, the general sentiment is that Captain Amanda Singh did nothing.
2: Hmm.
1: It's not as if he did anything wrong, unlike the Akalis uh, previously, whose sins were sins of commission. Amandir Singh's sins were sins of omission. He did Wherever I went in Punjab, he did nothing. Hmm. In U- UP, on the other hand, um you know, despite COVID second wave being very severe in UP and the UP government being wanting in the response and you know the shortage of oxygen and so on and the floating bodies, um, the UP government handled the economic aspect of COVID uh, much better, showed sensitivity to the economic issues, uh, when the full hog on free Russian. Even if you remember the COVID first wave, when there was the issue of migrant labor, uh, the UP government was actually proactive in sending out buses and bringing the migrant labor home, uh, even against the central government's uh, view on the subject. Um, So I think we are not talking about the economic aspect of COVID. Um, People have been asking whether or why or why not COVID deaths are hurting the BJP in UP. People are not talking about the economic aspect. In Punjab, for example, unemployment is higher than I think anywhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Congress government in Punjab uh, under Captain Amanda Singh failed to even show any sensitivity, You know, any acknowledgement that people are going through suffering and we need to do something about this.
0: Nilanjan, during your travels, what was the overwhelming sentiment that you picked up because uh, it would seem that issues like unemployment or or vagrant cattle or rising prices have not made an impact whatsoever. And in fact, during the last podcast that when we spoke, you had indicated that polarization was not such a prominent issue uh, in this campaign. What was the sentiment you were picking up during the campaign?
2: So let me sort of make two points based on this question. So the first is this question of Hindu-Muslim polarization. Now, if you look at the data, even in 2017, And I think this is one of the misconceptions of, of, you know, sort of the BJP strategy. Hindu-Muslim polarization was most important for the BJP in the first couple of phases. Those are the uh, phases uh, in and around Muzaffar Nagar, right? And where the riots in 2013 would have had the largest impact, right? The later phases where the BJP had also done well, except for the final phase where it had dropped a little bit in its vote share. Um, That popularity was built on building a coalition of small castes, non-Yadav OBCs. Uh, These are places where there were Dalit communities other than the Jatavs, where the BJP had really made inroads. So that's really what that was built on and making these sort of complicated caste coalitions, right? Now, the question for the BJP as it got into the, you know, sort of the center of the state and moving east Hmm. was whether those coalitions would be able to hold, Right whether without hindu muslim polarization some of these anxieties and local anti incumbency would start eating away at these coalitions or that they wouldn't eat uh, eat up enough the second thing is that i i mean look we always have to take seriously what people say if people say that they're facing ac- economic anxieties they're facing economic anxieties right mm. um if it is it a determinative, determinative of votes, maybe yes, maybe no, but there are other complicated shifts happening in the electorate. We know, for instance, that government benefits, rations played significantly in favor of the BJP. We also know. That actually, one of the things that people don't realize from the fourth phase onwards, the scheduled cast populations of UP actually grow quite a bit. It's not just Jatavs at that point, but you have Parsi, Israel, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Now, a significant percentage of, that, of those populations, even though the BJP had been making inroads, were still voting for the BSP. One of the big questions that we will have to ask when we see the results is whether those populations that had continued voting for the BSP in 2017, especially among non-Jacobs, systematically shifted towards the BJP. Is that an extra reservoir of votes the BJP got as compared to 2017 that wasn't there? All of this is to say that it could very well have been that the anxieties and the local anti-incumbency were playing. Uh, against the BJP, however, just the sheer arithmetic of it and the movements of voters from the BSP was enough to compensate for these an- anxieties and anti-incumbency.
0: Do you get a sense that that with the emergence of the, the revival of the Samajwadi party, you're actually moving into a phase where it could be a bipolar contest between the BJP and the Samajwadi going forward because the Congress is, has been really reduced to nothing. And now you're suggesting that uh, Mayawati's BSP might also become, maybe if the exit polls hold, uh, a minor player, if not an irrelevant player.
2: We're looking, at, you know, at a world where the Samajwadi Party and the BJP are the top two parties in UP. I think this election opens up a number of questions about what that means, right? So. You know, we now have a bipolar contest with one party that, at least in terms of its history, the Samajwadi Party, is a party that is built on a certain kind of hardened ethnic coalition, right? Muslims plus Yadav, the MY formula, trying to bring Jats in, so on and so forth. And we know that once you're kind of dealing with the vote shares that would be necessary to form government in a bipolar contest, we're looking at around 40% vote share, it becomes difficult with those kinds of coalitions, right? And so the question will be that if this is a bipolar world, can the SP, can the Samajwadi Party shift its strategies to a more broad-based, kind of politics that moves beyond just counting particular groups.
0: The next battle might perhaps be for the scheduled cast
2: votes. Whether or not anxieties of a certain uh, sort um, are determinative of electoral outcomes, the level of anger that all of us heard in UP about the economic situation. Mm. Is it is a ticking time bomb for the country to be brutally honest, right? Um, My fear is that no one really has a solution to that problem. And it is an emerging axis of conflict. So while we have a solution to uh, difficulties, for a certain segment of the population through government benefits, direct benefit transfers, ration. We know that Nitish has done it. We know that the Mamta has done it successfully. We know that Modi is doing it successfully. We don't really have a policy solution here that uh, people believe. I do believe it's an emerging axis of electoral conflict. So it may not just be about Dalits. I think you know, eventually this class dimension of uh, politics and frustrations will find their way into the political discourse. And the party that is able to really solve or at least make ground on these problems will also electorally benefit.
0: The marginalization of the Muslims you expect will continue.
2: Yes, I I think, you know, we are now in a world in which pretty explicitly people talk about Muslim and non-Muslim vote, Muslim and Hindu vote, typically. And uh, that becomes a way of counting constituencies. And as I said, that, you know, the Samajwadi party, obviously the Muslim vote will disproportionately vote for the Samajwadi party vis-a-vis the BJP, is going to have to come up with a kind of politics that is broad, that includes the Muslim community, but that doesn't single it out because so much of polarization and counter-polarization is based on the ability to say that Muslims are numerous here, we won't be competitive, but we Hindus are numerous in all of these other places so we can win here. Um, When that becomes the language of electoral politics, then the Muslims will be systematically, um, you know, displaced from the electoral
0: arena. <laughs> So Punjab, of course, is a very peculiar case study also because the ruling Congress in the last few months by appointing Charanjeet Singh Chani, removing Amrinder Singh, created this narrative of an anti-incumbent in Chani. And for a while, the chief minister, the new chief minister did seem like an inspired choice. But if one were to go by the exit poll results, that's something the electorate has not
1: bought into? There are at least three good reasons for that. The first is that by the time Charanjee Chandni was made the chief minister, I think it was already very late. I went to Punjab just a week after he was made chief minister. Within a week, uh, it was clear that this guy is a breath of fresh air. He is charismatic. He knows the camera really well. He has a sense of uh, um, the image of visual of uh, creating an event out of anything the mm. you know, sense of how to beat anti-income he was a very smart politician you know and very genuine like there's no way you could not like thing Channi. and even on that trip I could not meet a single person even in Punjab today you cannot meet a single person uh, abusing Channi or saying bad things about him you know except for some corruption allegations there's nothing you can say against him And yet, I think by the time he was made chief minister, the sense of anti-incumbency had set in so badly that nothing could have saved uh, Congress in Punjab. No strategy, no CM change, no nothing could have saved the Congress. You know, uh, for example, around that time, there was the issue of electricity bills in Punjab. Mm-hmm. And Amani party, having claimed it, that they've done a good job of electricity bills in Delhi, even, uh, you know, free electricity of 200 units, um, was really gaining on that issue. And Chenni came and solved the electricity issue within a month. You know, he uh, for, forwent a number of electricity bills, he reduced some rates, and the issue is over. So in the last two months, they have not heard about electricity in Punjab. So Channi therefore, did whatever he could even his critics were acknowledging second reason why chandi did not work is basically that he is dalit and while people in punjab will not say to a traveling journalist like you or me
0: but despite the fact that punjab has the highest dalit population in the country
1: punjab has the highest percentage of the population in the country uh, one third every third person in Punjab is uh, from the caste. Yes. Um, But precisely for that reason, perhaps, the number of divisions within the SC vote in Punjab are very high. I think Ch- uh, Channi's own sort of sub-caste, uh, Ravi Dasia 6, uh, did rally around him. I did, especially in October when I went, uh, not so much in February. Uh, there was this great sense of um, miracle amongst Dalits. You know, there was a smile on the face when you mentioned Channi that they couldn't hide. It was a huge moment for a first-time Dalit even in Punjab. But, you know, anyone who knows Punjab knows an unwritten rule that only a judge sikh can be chief minister. And the third factor why Channi magic did not do the trick for Congress in Punjab is that um, Mr. Navjot Singh Siddhu was actually undermining him day after day, to the point that at one point Mr. Siddhu said that Chandni should be to him, but Manmohan was to Sonia.
0: Even in the last elections, the exit polls and the traveling journalists were very ho about AAP, uh, but somehow that did not translate into actual number of seats. But this time, what is it that the Ahmadmi Party did? which is different and which uh, might lead to them uh, taking over power in Punjab?
1: Last time, there was this narrative of Delhi versus Punjab. These are Delhi people. The Delhi people control the state. They'll run the state. Uh, The Delhi people and the Punjab people would be fighting. If you Google, you will see stories about them throwing stones at each other outside Amani Party offices in Punjab, last time. Hmm. This time... This time, you know, Channi kept calling Kejriwal outsider to the point that he called him a brown sahib, you know, the colonial master and so on. It didn't work. And it didn't work because the Amani party smartly sold brand Kejriwal to the public from day one. Hmm. While maintaining that they will announce a Punjabi CM, they sold trust in Kejriwal. And they sold trust in Kejriwal by saying, uh, look, he's done it in Delhi is done a Delhi model. This whole so-called Delhi model of education, health, etc. came about only after they lost Punjab in 2017 last time. And they got worried about, okay, now how do we save Delhi? Now that they have this so-called Delhi model of education, health, and uh, free electricity, Hmm. they sold this to people of Punjab saying, look, we know how to do this. We know how to do governance. We know how to fix things. A bit like how Modi sold Gujarat's model in 2014. Hmm. And that trust meant that people were, you know, hesitant to do this outsider Delhi thing against Kejriwal or Aadmi Party. That, you know, the, the main slogan was Ek moka no. They now deliberately announced Man very late because they wanted to do a Kejriwal campaign. And they did it in such a way that it did not backfire for them which it did in 2017.
2: The question for Aadmi Party was that can a party that genuinely has little to no party worker, party cadre presence on the ground, still win. In 2017, two things happened to the Amadmi Party. First, its penetration was very low, a large number of seats. The Amadmi Party failed to even cross the 20 percentage point mark, right? Uh, Second, unlike the Akali Dal or the Congress, which had presence everywhere. Second, in urban areas, largely Hindu urban areas, the Amadmi Party had essentially been decimated, partially because of a jibe that connected the Amadmi Party to the Khalistan movement. Right? Yes. This time, one of the interesting things is the Amadmi Party liquidated whatever local faces it had, even people like H.S. Fulka, so on and so forth. It became very difficult to pin anything on the Amadmi Party because there no it by definition had no baggage because it had no local people. Um, and uh, it's a strategy that seems to have worked. They named a CM face who is very popular, Bhagwant Man. Interestingly, a former comedian. And similarly, uh, you know, the, the 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 president of Ukraine came to power on a anti-corruption vote, anti-incumbency. We often see entertainers do well in this situation. And so that gives you a picture of the kind of frustration that we were picking up in Punjab. One small point on the numbers. Again, if the exit polls are correct, we're looking at an Amadmi party that is in and around 40% vote share. There'd be a huge increase in uh, over five years. More importantly, since after uh, 1997, the the Congress has always had at least 38% vote share. And we knew from the very beginning that the Ahmadmi Party becoming the single largest party or certainly forming government by itself would require decimation of the Congress Party because the Akali Party was broadly holding in a number of places. Right now, the exit polls are suggesting that that's exactly what happened, that we're actually seeing a sea change in Punjab politics because uh, the, the vote share of the Congress will drop below a mark it hasn't in many, many decades. And a party that literally has no presence on the ground in a party that has been characterized by larger-than-life candidates and party workers and the dominance they hold on the ground, a party that literally has no presence on the ground may be the one that takes the cake.
0: Beyond the immediate impact, these election results will also shape national politics going ahead especially Uttar Pradesh, which sends 80 MPs to the Lok Sabha and is the spine of the BJP's electoral edifice. Shivam vigils of the view that notwithstanding March 10th's results, there is a certain dimming of Prime Minister Modi's popularity on ground, while Nilanjan Sarkar assesses what a second term would mean for Yogi Adityanath's political future
1: often the sense of an election in the campaign is very different from the final result. And I think it's important to note any which way that during the campaign, the BJP did have some sense of a challenge, Mm. mainly because uh, they repeated 75% of their 312 MPs. Yes. And those, those guys really faced anger from voters, Whatever their final tally is, I think they could have gotten some more seats if they changed more MLAs. I think, um, you know, journalists were seeing a sense of a challenge. They were, I can't speak for other journalists, but speaking for myself, I did see some change in the last three elections. The last three elections, 14, 17, 19, two of them Lok Sabha, one Vidhan Sabha. You know, I would not find a single person other than Yadav, Muslim, and Jatav Hmm. saying anything except Modi. Hmm. You know, uh, all the lower OBC castes, you know, uh, all the non-Jatav castes, all the Parsis, all the sort of uh, Balminkis, all the Kushwahas and Sainis and Kashyaps and Mauryas, Modi, 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 Modi. Modi. This time, there was some... Um, you know, chipping away of that hypnotic hold of the BGP on the voter, uh, even if the election result doesn't bear out what I'm saying, you know, as a as an observer, you say what you you know you report what you see. So this is what I saw that a number of places there are a number of voters for the first time since 2014 who are willing to move away from BGP for various reasons. You know, mm. for, for educated youth, it was unemployment. For some people, it was um, the the MLA we don't like. Uh, silently, for some urban voters, it was COVID. Um, so I will be very surprised if BJP repeats its twenty seventeen vote share. You know, seats. You you know, think about seats is, So the distance between the Samajwadi Party and the BJP is so huge. Hmm. Uh, in twenty twelve, there was a distance of twelve to thirteen percent right vote share. Yes. So. If that, dist- if that distance even halves, if the distance now is 6%, okay, that's a huge uh, drop in the distance between the two players, reflecting the increase in bipolarity. However, 6% still means the BJP gets a sweeping majority, hmm. right? I have personally never had any doubt that BWP is winning UP. Question is mm. on number of seats. But is there a drastic fall in the vote share? If the BJP comes to 35%, let's say, mm. then it means that um, Mr. Modi has to worry about a number of issues going forward uh, for 2024. As journalists, we look for what has changed. Something is changing in UP, my experience says. and I'd be surprised if the access numbers are correct and show that nothing has
0: changed. This, of course, uh, if the exit poll results hold, will be a huge endorsement for uh, Yogi Adityanath. It also indicates that the BJP itself is perhaps moving beyond just the Modi charisma and a deepening of, of the BJP's hold uh, because these elections were fought pretty much on the back of Adityanath.
2: So I think we'll have to see... Um you know, what the final results pulled, right? Uh, so for instance, we know that Hindu-Muslim polarization, law and order, these kinds of questions, these are the things that Yogi Adityanath uh, particularly appealed on, and that were particularly um, thought to be effective in the first three phases of the UP election. So I think internally, Uh, the BJP will have to assess how it did in the first three phases after we see the results, as opposed to the rest where Modi and the ration narrative seem to become the dominant narrative. So there will continue to be a question, uh, uh, I think, within the BJP and among electoral analysts, about whether this was a yogi vote or a Modi vote.
0: But uh, the fact that he will come back as the chief minister for a second term, uh, will sort of uh, change politics, uh, national politics.
2: Absolutely. I mean, look, I think the one thing the BJP has shown both at the central level and Yogi Adityanath at the state level is the uh, extraordinary capacity to brand and to expose brand. So even if this electoral result suggests that maybe this wasn't a Yogi Adityanath election and this was a Modi election, or you know, we'll have to see what happens. I'm sure that if the BJP does well, Yogi Adityanath's branding machine will go into force and try to position him as uh, the next big leader coming out of the BJP. And the one thing that I would just quickly say is a parallel, right? Uh, you know, This is very much out of the Modi in Gujarat playbook. Right. So we forget that Gujarat was also a fractured uh, state across caste groups. Right. We talk about uh, strong caste alliances that the BJP had, uh, that the Congress had built vis-a-vis the BJP. Mm-hmm. That systematically, after one, two, three rounds of BJP control, they were able to break and centralize power in the chief minister. Right. And this is exactly what Yogi Adityanath is trying to do. A lot of the local anti incumbency was a function of the fact that Yogi Adityanath was trying to centralize power within the state and it is creating frustrations on the ground. Give Yogi Adityanath one or two more cycles of this, and you imagine that a similar phenomenon to Gujarat will take place. And then he can use that to become a national figure. So I think that very much is the role. And if he's able to obviously win this time, perhaps one more round um, you know, then he genuinely becomes a national figure.
0: How do you think that, uh, changes national politics also because AAP will now become the only other state, uh, only other political party with more than one state?
2: So let me just make three short comments about this. So the first question is, if the question about the opposition space is about who's winning elections, then obviously winning one other state is not particularly determinative. Um, we know that in the last two national elections, when the BJP and the Congress went head to head, the BJP won more than 90% of the time. If that trend continues before you can blink, it doesn't matter where up and TMC and these guys win. Before you blink, the BJP is above 200 seats. It needs to win 272 to uh, you know be, be at a majority. It's not going to matter much for electoral outcomes. Um, So there's a larger question about how competitive the Congress will be in the national arena. And that's irrespective of what these other parties do. There's a question about the power that these leaders like Kijriwal and Mamta Banerjee have in the opposition space. I think that if you uh, have a big sweep in Punjab and the resources associated with winning a state like Punjab, then uh, the Amadmi Party can definitely claim to have a larger part of the opposition voice, especially because, you know, in recent times, Kejriwal has been crafting an image as sort of a center-right politician, much unlike what he had been doing before. Yes. Um, and that actually creates some challenges for the BJP, because there's some competition for the right space, right? Um, So that's an interesting question. The third thing, what the Ahmadmi party represents is almost a reified, concentrated form of the way the BJP functions, right? It is a highly centralized party built on extraordinary branding. Mm. If you just follow the parties on the ground, it is an incredibly high-tech party. Right. Um, it is a party that is, you know, quite using very, very modern techniques. As I said, if you're able to win a, a state like Punjab without party cat, what else can you do? We're also picking up that they may have a sizable vote share on Uttarakhand, even if they don't, it doesn't convert into seats. Um, in Goa, maybe it was less successful, but we'll have to see. We're looking at a party that is changing the way that Indian politics is done, and is doing so in a way that is actually picking up significant vote share. It may or may not yield uh, results in the next two years, but if it continues, um, it will dramatically shape the way in which opposition politics is done in the country. Right? Because we know that for for at the time for at this time. No opposition party can compete on the ground with the BJP and with the BJP musters on the ground. If you can start winning elections without committing forces on the ground, then it changes the game.
0: Today's episode is produced by Gerard Singh, Arun George, and Sunay Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI Plus. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at 2 at timesinternet.in.